Section 5 of The Age of the Condottieri by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 3. The Emperor Sigismund, Pope Eugenius IV, The Rise of the Medici, Alfonso of Aragon, Part 1. In 1432, the Emperor Sigismund undertook his journey to Rome. Pope Martin V, a Colonna, as we know, had died on February 20th, and the rival party of the Orsini prevailed in the next election. As we stated in the last chapter, the choice of the cardinals fell on Gabriel Candolmier, Pope Eugenius IV, a Venetian, sister's son to Gregory XII. He was forty-seven years of age, vigorous and young, for his time of life. Experience showed that his nature was weaker and more inflammable than his friends had expected. His first public act was to recognize the Council of Basel. His first step in the government of Rome was to persecute the hated stock of the Colonna and to destroy their castles and fortresses. The chief objects of the Council of Basel were the reform of the church in head and members, the quieting of the trouble of the Hussites in Bohemia, and the union of the Greek and Latin churches. The Greek emperor, hard-pressed by the Turks, was ready to consent to this union, but his consent was of little value. The emperor and the pope regarded the council with very different feelings. The emperor was anxious for a settlement of the trouble in Bohemia, and for a union of Christendom against the heathen the pope was afraid of the inauguration of a reform which could only begin with himself yet he went so far as to send cardinal cesarini to basil to open the sittings of the council in his name and to preside in his place the council was of short duration the pope afraid of the influence of germany and of the court of france summoned the council to meet at bologna the council refused to obey declared itself superior to the pope and summoned him before them in turn. Sigismund took the side of the council against the pope. The emperor did not appear in Italy with that pomp which some of his predecessors and ancestors had exhibited. He was accompanied only by a hundred Hungarian horsemen. He found Italy, as we have described it above, in a state of war, and as he had been principally invited by Filippo Maria, he naturally took the side of Milan against the republics of Venice and Florence. Sigismund entered Milan on November 22, 1432, and was crowned with the iron crown of Lombardy, three days afterwards in the church of Sant'Ambrogio. The ceremony was performed by Bartolomeo Capra, Archbishop of Milan, while Niccolo Piccinino, the condottieri general, representing the Duke of Milan as master, offered to his new sovereign the golden ball as the symbol of universal sovereignty. Sigismund stayed for some time in Milan, as the Pope was not willing to expedite his journey to Rome. In February he moved on to Piacenza, Parma, and Lucca, and reached Siena in July 1432, where he remained for nine months, which were consumed in negotiations with the Pope. The situation was not without its humorous side, Sigismund desired the imperial crown, but he would not receive it unless the Pope recognized the Council of Basel and recalled the decree which had dissolved it. The Pope was anxious to crown the Emperor, 
but he was afraid of being deposed himself by the council and therefore refused to crown sigismund until he consented to the council being held in an italian town an arrangement was at length agreed to in april by which eugenius was to be recognized as the undoubted pope of christendom sigismund made his solemn entry into rome on may twenty first fourteen thirty two the festival of the ascension he was crowned on may thirty first by the pope in st peter's but without the splendour of attendant vassals which had so often graced that ceremony he remained some time in rome lodging at the palace of the lateran whilst the pope dwelt at the vatican the emperor confirmed the ancient privileges of the church beginning with those granted by constantine the pope renewed in sigismund the empire of charles the great when sigismund left rome in august he was very friendly with the pope but he had lost his interest in the council also he was disposed to take the part of venice rather than that of milan he returned to basel in the guise of a modest traveller on october eleventh fourteen thirty three the emperor had scarcely left rome before a terrible storm burst upon the pope it did not proceed directly from the council but from filippo maria visconti who doubtless felt encouraged in the attack by the hostility of the council to his holiness Niccolo Forte Braccio, a condottiere leader and nephew of Braccio da Montone, who had never laid down the sword and was now in the pay of the Duke of Milan, pressed on through the Sabine Mountains, overran the Campagna, captured the Ponte Mole, and presented himself at the Porta del Popolo on August twenty fifth, fourteen thirty three, only eleven days after the departure of Sigismund he demanded the title of standard-bearer of the church took tivoli on october seventh and kept it till the month of june in the following year he was supported by the colonna family whom the pope had declared the public enemies of the church eugenius had no one to help him but giovanni vitelleschi a strange product of these days a cardinal and a patriarch but a bloodthirsty and cruel soldier another danger fell upon the pope from the north francesco sforza attached to the fortunes of filippo maria by the promise of his daughter's hand treacherously seized a number of towns in the march of ancona and said that he was empowered to do so by the council eugenius saw no way out of his difficulties but to recognize the authority of the council which he did on december fifteenth fourteen thirty three sforza was reconciled to the pope in march fourteen thirty four was recognized as marquis of the march of ancona and was appointed standard-bearer of the church forte braccio refusing to submit was attacked by sforza but he found an unexpected ally in another condottiere leader niccolo piccinino with his assistance he pressed rome so hard that eugenius had no resource but to fly the citizens were in rebellion and the old republic was proclaimed a pirate named vitellio of ischia engaged to receive the pope on board his ship at ostia at midday on the fourth of june the pope disguised as a friar with a single monk as his attendant rode on a mule to the tiber bank a sailor carried the pope on his back and laid him down in the boat the fugitive was recognized and the whole town ran to the riverside another boat was launched in pursuit but stuck fast in the mud stones lances and arrows were discharged at the flying bark 
the rowers laboured stoutly while the pope lay in the stern covered by a large shield below the church of st paul outside the walls a large boat filled with armed men came out to intercept them the skipper of the pope's bark determined to charge it or run it down but the boat was old and rotten and the assailants avoided the shock danger was now past and they reached the ship of italio in the roads of ostia on june twelfth fourteen thirty four eugenius landed at pisa and reached florence on june twenty third he was the last pope who was violently driven out of rome until pius the ninth in the middle of the present century the pope found florence in a state of considerable confusion we have now reached the period when the family of the medici begin to play an important part in the history of their country the origin of this family is not exactly known it is supposed that they came from the mugello a district in the apennines between the arno and the emilian road it is certain that for a considerable time they held only a subordinate place in florence they had the character of being good steady careful merchants of popular sympathies opposed to the reigning oligarchy of the albizzi but not prominent or powerful enough to excite hatred or to invite destruction we heard of the name of salvestro de medici at the time of the conspiracy of the ciampi the real founder of the greatness of the house was giovanni the son of alverardo who was born in thirteen sixty and died on february twentieth fourteen twenty nine he took advantage of the council of constance and the increased facilities of communication in europe to extend his relations with various countries florence we have already seen was the most flourishing commercial town in europe the staple product was wool but florence also imported roughly made woolen clothes from other countries dyed and refined them by a process which was long preserved as a jealous secret and exported them again to the countries from which they had already come the artisans who pursued this trade formed the arte or guild of the calimala besides this they were the bankers of europe and the name tuscan or lombard was used as a sort of euphemism for banker or usurer which had a disagreeable sound the business relations of florence were carried on principally with london and bruges also with avignon and genoa and to a considerable degree with venice giovanni at his death left two sons cosimo and lorenzo one born in thirteen eighty nine and the other in thirteen ninety five the relations of his house with the last two popes john the twenty third and martin the fifth had been of a most friendly character and his son cosimo had represented the interests of his house both with one and the other cosimo had accompanied john the twenty third to the council of constance and the medici constructed the tomb in the church of san giovanni in which the ashes of baldassare cosa now repose it was not likely that the oligarchical party of the albizzi could view with indifference so formidable a rival the heads of this party after the death of maso degli albizzo in fourteen seventeen were his sons rinaldo nicolo da uzzano and paola strozzi the albizzi first appear in the history of florence in the middle of the thirteenth century they came originally from arezzo about the year thirteen seventy they were attacked by a rival family the ricci and they were the first to use the means which the constitution gave them the ammonire and the balia and the powers of the parte guelfa to establish their new supremacy upon a firm basis 
in thirteen seventy nine they were exiled but returned in thirteen eighty two more powerful than ever they became the dictators of the city and although their rule was not unstained by the cruelty of the age there can be no doubt that the period of their government was one of great splendour and prosperity to the state Maso degli albizzi died as we have said in the year fourteen seventeen at the age of seventy-four his son ronaldo was then eight years old but the governing and moderating spirit of the party was niccolo da uzzano he was by far the most powerful man in florence palastrozzi was rather a man of letters than a politician he was a man of the highest character and his modesty was equal to his powers he was one of the richest men in florence richer than giovanni de medici and he spent his wealth in the furtherance of learning peace was preserved at florence by the equilibrium of these opposing forces the republic had never been more flourishing or more prosperous but a touch might destroy the charm the shock came in the attempt to conquer lucca a town whose varied fortunes must often occupy the attention of the historian of medieval italy and which still maintained a provoking independence under the family of the junici the attempts to reduce lucca ended in failure and disgrace filippo di ser brunelleschi who was at that time building the marvellous dome of the cathedral at florence offered by diverting the course of the Cerchio to surround lucca with a lake which would throw down the walls but the lake turned out to be no better than a frog pool and brunelleschi lost reputation as a man of science ronaldo degli albizzi lost his prestige as a statesman he tried to recover his position by an attack on cosimo de medici and as niccolo da uzzano had died during the siege of lucca there was no one to hold him in check giovanni was summoned from his villa to florence and was imprisoned in the public palace at first he feared for his life but he was able to use his money with good effect he was condemned to be banished for four years to padua his brother lorenzo was sent to venice and the rest of the medici family to rome naples and ancona cosimo was received in his expatriation rather as an ambassador than as an exile and his life at padua and venice was not less brilliant than it had been at florence the medici left florence on the evening of october third fourteen thirty three this therefore was the condition of things when pope eugenius arrived at the city in june of fourteen thirty four but a revolution was at hand the seigneury which came into office on september first fourteen thirty four was favourable to the medici rinaldo attempted to prevent the return of his enemy by force he and his friends assembled in arms to the number of six hundred the seigneury summoned the people to their assistance and they thronged into florence in crowds the pope who was inclined to favour cosimo tried to reconcile the two parties by means of giovanni vitelleschi bishop of Recanati, but in vain the medici were recalled ronaldo degli albizzi was driven into exile and never saw his country again the supremacy of the medici in florence dates from this time cosimo became gonfaloniere di giustizia for the months of january and february fourteen thirty five the government of the albizzi had lasted forty years which was undoubtedly one of the most brilliant epochs in florentine history during it florence withstood with glory and success the converging attacks of foreign foes 
and she was more rich in consolidated wealth and power than she was when it began. End of section 5